Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. What's the most incomprehensible verse in the Bible? Here's a hint. It's not what you think. Listen in as the gang talks about the cultural obsession with youth and its inevitable impact on the church. Keep listening after the conversation to find out how you can download an MP3 from the Alliance. Today we want to talk about the implications of the most incomprehensible verse in the Bible. Uh, it isn't one that you'll find in the more obscure passages in Daniel or Revelation. It's actually one that you find in Paul's pastoral epistles, specifically his first letter to Timothy, his young colleague. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul says this, and uh, as I've said, this is, I think, completely incomprehensible to us today. Paul says this, let no one despise you for your youth. And it's incomprehensible because the idea today that somebody would be despised for their youth is so far outside of our cultural framework as to sound completely bizarre. We live in a world where youth is that which is prized. Uh, the fashion industry is predicated on selling clothes to the youth or selling clothes to older people who want to look like uh, the youth. Uh, plastic surgeons, generally speaking, do not train in order to be able to operate on people to make them look older. <laughs> By and large, they are trained to make people look younger. Uh, people do not dye their hair in order to add years to their age. They dye their hair in order to take years away. So we live in a culture where youth has become highly prized. Uh, and we want to talk today about how this is having a damaging effect on the church and indeed is, is subverting some basic uh, biblical ideas of what it means to, to be a Christian and what it means to have a, a biblical church leadership. Hmm. Yeah, Carl, I, I was thinking as, as you were talking about that, about the, the fact that if, if, a, if a man's going to be an overseer in the church, he cannot be a recent convert. Um, and, I, and I think probably recent means more than just maybe two or three weeks, I, because the other qualifications for an elder or an overseer require time for us to observe and judge this man's qualifications. Um, and so I, I'm not saying that you have to be 65 years old to be an overseer, but there does have to be sufficient time that this man has observed to know that he possesses the qualities that an overseer must uh, have and now it seems like in churches, if if you're a pastor, by the time you reach your mid fifties, you already need to be working on your succession uh, process uh, because by the time you're in your mid fifties, you're so hopelessly out of date and and irrelevant. Uh, it's time to to move you along. Yeah, Amy, you're our token youth on the panel. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> uh, would you like to to chip in at this point? Well, I'm really noticing this as a writer. Um, I recently just read one of the top-selling books for Christian women's issues, and I was shocked. This woman, you know, she has older kids, so she's she's not too young, but she wrote like a young person. She wrote um, like a texter almost. And so I noticed that all of a sudden 
the style of writing and the readership of people is actually changing because of the youth culture, because of technology as well. And um, I felt like I was reading very poor quality writing, but she did it on purpose. It was a marketing strategy, and a lot of people liked it. Wow. wow. So Best it was seller. a conscious marketing strategy, not Absolutely. just the fact that she, this she woman, can't write yeah. particularly well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a generation ago, J.I. Packer writes, Knowing God, clearly a book written for a popular audience, for a wide readership. And yet you hold that book up to people today and, and you might as well be holding up the volumes of the Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> uh, because they, they, they see that as a daunting right. um, attention span exercise. has right. really been an issue, I think. Right. And um, I think it's this catering to the youth culture in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And this is dangerous and it's dangerous for the younger people who are oftentimes being held up now as leaders in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, recent uh, months have seen uh, the complete collapse of one of the largest megachurches in the country, Mars Hill in Seattle. Um, although their pastor was not some, although I think he wanted us to think he was in his 20s, uh, Mark Driscoll was actually in his mid-40s. Um, nevertheless, that's an example of, of a man who was promoted very quickly um, while he was still very young and, and a relatively new convert. So, uh, and we're seeing this, we're seeing this in some of the conference culture, where if, if you're a gifted young, for instance, a gifted young rapper, you'll, you'll not only find yourself rapping perhaps at a conference in between sessions, but you may get a speaking gig and a, and a, and a writing contract. And my, my, my problem isn't with those young men. My problem is, is with the people around them who want to profit from them, who force them into very, uh, uh, visible leadership, perhaps well before they're or encur- ready for they that. They encourage them into that. Exactly. I mean, and they build them up that they can do that. Right. I, I don't have any problem with them doing what they do. Sure. Yeah. Like, okay, if you're a rapper and they ask you to come and do that, mm-hmm. what you're good at. Yeah. But if you're not qualified for for the other the, other the, parts. Yeah, the, 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 the preaching to thousands of men, um, th- that, imp- that ought to carry with it the assumption of, of seasoned – uh, maturity. And again, if I'm a young guy and I have famous evangelical scholars and pastors around me promoting me and putting me on the stage in a conference, if I'm a young guy, I'm probably not going to say no to that. But what I need are men who are mature enough to say, you're not ready for that. We right. want to protect you. You need time. Well, and I wonder if part of the problem too is um, we just don't value the preached word in the same way. And so uh, I think a lot of, of the younger culture will look at a rap or a song even as equivalent. Mm-hmm. So, well, if he could do that and have that message in his song, well, then he can get behind the pulpit and, and preach a sermon to yeah, us. Yeah, and if you're a YouTube sensation, if you, right. if you have some slam poetry on YouTube, uh, suddenly that qualifies you to speak to hundreds or maybe thousands of men. Yeah. Well, I have no idea whatsoever what slam poetry is. It sounds completely ghastly. I, do. I used to have a coffee uh, shop. We yeah. did slam poetry. I, I do not want to discover what slam poetry is, but I did have a, a, a brief uh, moment of, of semi-fame on this kind of thing a couple of years ago when I was invited to sit on a panel at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary okay. with a, a group of, of men drawn from different evangelical traditions 
Uh, and uh, along on the panel was a young man called Jefferson Bethke, who had just done – I don't, was that slam poetry? That was slam poetry. Okay, yeah. well – YouTube he, sensation. He, he was a YouTube slam poetry sensation. Mm-hmm. I think that's the technical yep. phrase. There you go. Uh, and um, – we were all sitting on this panel together and being asked various questions about, about church life. A couple of things struck me about the panel that myself and the, and the, the, the person from the Free Will Baptist Seminary mm-hmm. were the only people who consistently said in answer to questions, look, this is what Paul says in the pastoral epistles about how the church should be run. Everybody else played a theme of, hey, we tried this and it worked. Right, right. But the other thing was at the, the the very end of the evening, the last question was, you know, have you learned anything from your experience of, of being in a position of leadership in an institution or in a church that is is useful for the audience to know? And we went across the panel and I was able to draw on on my experience as vice president Westminster and the president of the Free Will Baptist Seminary gave comments on his uh, experiences and they came to uh, Jefferson Bethke. And he said, well, I've never led anything. Mm-hmm. I've only been a Christian for X number of months. And I felt all credit to him mm-hmm. at that point that he didn't pretend to be something right. he wasn't. Yeah, he and I thought, but isn't this bizarre that he's actually being put up on this panel right. when really he has nothing to say? Right. He's a lovely fellow. And he'd done this slam right. poetry that had gone viral. Yeah. He's a lovely fellow, but he had nothing to say. And it was a great reminder to me that another of the egregious aspects of the celebrity culture that exists within conservative evangelicalism is it puts some remarkably inept people Mm. into positions of authority simply because they catch that cool vibe, uh, that cool, youthful vibe. Yeah, exactly. So if you, for instance, uh, were, were an intern at the right church, you still may be in your early 20s but you interned under that well-known pastor, suddenly you may find yourself with a level of responsibility that you should not hold yet. Um, now, I'm, I'm all for good pastors and good churches having good intern programs. May their tribe increase. Please let's do that. But again, what happens is, is that when you're a church or a pastor who does it particularly well, then suddenly, if you're an intern in that program, you become a bit of a commodity. And that's a dangerous place for any man to be in, particularly for a young man. And the older men around them, see, it's not their fault. It's not the young guy's fault. It's the older men around them who profit from them, who should know better than to risk their souls by putting them out in leadership before they're ready. Isn't that similar to what happened, um, Joshua Harris? He's now yeah. going to seminary. He's going to seminary now. But he finally. wrote, you know, he wrote an intriguing book when yeah. he was young. Yep. And then he was and became interned. A yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great. And, and, and now actually, he sees. And that's a great point because now, after years in ministry, mm-hmm. writing several books, achieving stat. I mean, I've seen in years past Joshua go around at various conferences surrounded by an entourage, people who want to be near him yeah. because of the book he wrote, because of who he interned under, because of what church he was serving at. Well, he was still a very young man. And now, all these years later, the light goes on and he says, I need some training. Right. Indeed. And I think a lot of this connects to what I would regard as a wider Pelagian myth within our culture. And that is that children are innocent Hmm. and that the aging process deprives one of one's innocence. <laughs> so if you like, you become, you start off, we might say, as wise, and yeah. you lose your wisdom to cynicism. 
yeah. as you grow older. That is very much the the myth that stems from people like Jean-Jacques Rousseau at the at mm-hmm. the Enlightenment. It has yeah. deep roots within the way the modern world thinks. And unfortunately, the church is bought into that, that somehow the young activist in their early 20s is better qualified to lead a church than the cynical old guy yeah. who's seen it all before right. uh, in his in his 50s. <laughs> I'm not in my 50s, but I'm getting there. I'm certainly cynical and I feel old. Yeah, uh, yeah but now you've got that new name, Rev Master T. Rev Master T, yes, which bread. I was told by by a, a, a an up-and-coming rapper just the other day was actually more of a 1980s rap name. I'm not, like I'm not even cool in the rap like circles. The Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But this brings us back to Paul's comment. In Paul's world, Paul understands that, that age and experience – the right experience mm-hmm. actually qualify you for being uh, mm. for being a, a pastor. Right. But uh, let me let me uh, let me turn the guns on on our Presbyterian culture a yes. little here. Yes. One of the things that strikes me as interesting, I, I don't think in the OPC we struggle from having too many cool young guys. No. Uh, That'll never be your taking problem the leadership. The you yeah. know, somebody asked me the other day, does in a joke in a class, does the OPC need to pass something at the General Assembly about skinny jeans? And I said, <laughs> I, I don't know of any OP pastors who actually fit into skinny <laughs> jeans, let alone you know be tempted to use them as a, as, a, as a fashion item. But one of the things I've noticed in in Presbyterian circles is this. Uh, and I've come across this in, in elections we've had in my own congregation, that uh, churches will call a young man to be pastor, but will not call or will resist calling young men to be ruling elders. Mm. We had this last year when I brought a couple of guys forward to come on to the eldership at Cornerstone in their early 30s. And the immediate pushback was, wow, these guys are only in their early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we really be bringing them on as as ruling elders. I then pointed to the fact that uh, one of the PCA ministers who worships with us is studying at Westminster at the moment, and one of the local OPC pastors was the same age as these men coming forward ruling eldership. Mm. Both men had been ordained as ministers five, six, seven years earlier, so had done so really in their, in their mid-twenties, and nobody batted an eyelid. And it strikes me as interesting that the cult of youth is not something we, we struggle from, particularly in Presbyterianism. But we do have this strange uh, emphasis upon age for ruling elders yeah. that perhaps we, we don't see so much for, you know, guys coming out of seminary, we assume the seminary training has yeah. fully equipped them. Right. right. Why aren't we telling guys coming out of seminary, you need to go and have a job for 10 years right. and then think about the ministry? Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and so here's the deal. I'm going to settle it all. I haven't used that phrase for a long time. (laughs) I'm going to settle it all right now. I know the air's going to be blue as Amy uses one of her favorite phrases in a few (laughs) Well, I I think a lot of it has – first of all, your observation is absolutely correct. There's no doubt about it. Churches are not hiring old guys unless they have a a spot open for senior adult pastor. That's the one you have, isn't it? That's the 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 one. The acronym is SAP. You're the SAP. I'm the SAP. Sure, exactly. But here's the deal. People don't want to, lay persons, don't want to join churches with an old pastor. And so it is a marketing necessity. But they want old elders. They, they want older ruling elders. I think, I think Carl's observation is absolutely true. Most of my observations are absolutely Most true. of your observations, all of them actually are. are. Please exactly. carry on. That was a redundant Sure, thing. sure. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um <laughs> I, yeah, so, so, but, but churches know that if they're going to, quote, reach young families, 
they've got to have a youngish staff. And so it's now I'm happy about it because I am a vital young man and I might not have gotten my job had I not been so young not and active. Not the adjectives I would use. <laughs> <laughs> no, Our friends. <laughs> but it, but it, 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 you know, it, it is true. So we want the kind of seasoning and maturity from our ruling elders that we may not necessarily get from our teaching elders. Eh, that's worth, that's worth thinking about. Well, because you do want to be shepherded over. Sure. Yep. You do want somebody with wisdom there mm-hmm. when you really are going through a hard time or you really need some good biblical advice. Right, right. So, and, and we still know that age comes with ex- or experience comes with age sure, and, sure. We, and we need that. Yeah. And in in defense of a church, it, it, some of this could be the fact that when they hire somebody, they have the best hopes that this is somebody who's going to come on staff and stay for 25 years. And so they're not going to hire a 60 year old for, for that reason. I, that, that, that's legitimate. However, I think, I think Carl, there's, there's a, there's a good warning in the observation you make, meaning the people we hire had better have some seasoning to them. Again, the qualifications for elder are things that we can't know unless a guy has a track record, unless a guy has a history that we can follow and pegged down. And I think, I mean, I was your, your, your illustration from, from your time at Southern, I I was there, I was sitting in the second row because I wanted everybody to know that, that I knew you. Were you wearing your Carl Truman? I was was wearing, I was wearing all of my Carl Truman, um, accessories. I um, gave you my autograph afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you had asked me to come up and, and, and ask for your autograph. So I did that, (laughs) but, but I was there and and I had best 50 bucks. I (laughs) But I had, I was there. I had the same observation, which is Jefferson Bethke seems like a terrific young guy. Seems like the kind of young guy you'd want in your church to disciple and, and, you know, just seemed like a, a, just a terrific young guy. Um, but there was this cognitive dissonance I was experiencing there as I thought, here you have a panel with theologians and pastors, and then this poor young fellow that was up there for no other reason than he had a YouTube video go viral. That was the only reason well, you know, he was there. And, that, and again, that's not his problem. That's not his fault. But it, it's an indication that we put men forward who are not ready and, we're, and we will willingly do it if it can profit us. Well, there's that cool factor there that, that builds that, everyone else That Carl else is up. not going to give them. That Carl exactly. is not able to give us. But yeah. at the same time, I think in, in the church or in conferences and broader evangelicalism like this, there's another factor, and we see it in the business world, and that is if you get somebody young and who's charismatic and popular, mm-hmm. um, they haven't developed some of their own um, – intricacies and thoughts and and laid down some mm-hmm. of their own foundations so you can shape them and mold sure. them and so i mean it can be very manipulative sure. to bring in somebody younger because he's going to do what i say right especially yeah. if you're giving him all the good food uh-huh. at the king's table he's just going to be so glad he's there he'll right. do what i say uh-huh. yeah yeah i think there's also an issue of sometimes maturity can be stunted by these things mm-hmm. i read recently an article uh, looking at the impact of fame on people and the person was making a generalizing comment i'm not sure that this was true in every case but essentially their argument was you stop maturing as a public celebrity as a rock star or, or a movie star as soon as you become famous mm. because at that point you are cosseted from the the rough edges 
that you bump into all the time if you're a normal human being. Now, obviously, the church operates on a much smaller scale than that. But when you've got young guys grandstanding at at mega conferences, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're surrounded by uh, people who have a vested interest in maintaining the brand, that's a real problem. You and I were both at T4G in 2000. 12, I think was it? I think that was it. Uh, yeah, and somebody is introduced there as, as you know, the greatest – a young man is introduced, you know, as the greatest biblical exegete. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I don't believe that anybody is so godly that when somebody Christian famous says that about you when you're in your early 30s, it doesn't have an impact. Absolutely. I simply don't believe that. And part of the problem with the way this culture has taken hold of of conservative evangelical circles is I think we are yet to see all of the the bad fruit Mm. that this will bear in the future. Right. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think we're waiting to see the fallout from some of this. And so really, I I think we can distill this down to, to this warning. If you are a young Christian rapper who's a good rapper, avoid middle-aged, uh, white, well-known evangelicals because they're going to put you at the headline of mega conferences and it's going to destroy your soul. That is a profound <laughs> biblical statement. <laughs> Watch out, well, young rappers, and, and for the, the older the white true evangelicals. Youth can spot some they can smell some of this mimicking a mile away mm-hmm. like right now i'm having a really hard time finding good christian books for my teenage daughters mm-hmm. because the books targeted for teenage girls they're cheesy sure they're just cheesy and yeah. so then there's this trying to imitate cool and trying to imitate young right. and it comes off as just awful awful <laughs> and so there's good truths in there yeah. but it looks like a, a knockoff product right. in a lot of ways and i think that's also a bad witness it's old people pretending to be young people yeah and even yeah. like semi-young people trying to talk to even younger people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think on the positive side we need to you know as, we, as we're starting to sort of wrap up here you know, to go back to the Bereans in, mm-hmm. in Acts, you know, they search the scriptures to see if these things are so. We often tend to think about it in doctrinal terms, and I think rightly so. We, we think when we hear a sermon preached, one of our responsibilities as somebody listening to the sermon is to check what the pastor said by scripture. But I also think that we need to examine church culture in mm-hmm. scriptural terms as well. And one of the, the positive things I think every Christian should do is reflect upon Paul's vision for the church in the pastoral epistles and reflect upon Paul's standards for eldership and realize not simply what it says on the page, but what Paul is assuming behind that. When Paul says good household management, when he says of good reputation with people outside, he's clearly thinking of an older person. Now, Paul comes from a culture where age is – it was naturally respected. He's, right. he's got the opposite problems with us. That's why he has, why to, he say, has to say right. to, you know, let no man despise you because of your youth because Timothy is an exception. There are young guys out there who are exceptional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to be aware that we, we don't despise young guys who are exceptional. On the other hand, we need to be aware of, of, of what lies behind Paul's thinking. And it's not just Greco-Roman culture. As Todd said, there's a reason why older men uh, are – to hold positions of leadership, and that's because they've got the experience and the wisdom and the knowledge, or some of them have, in order to to address this. So one of my elders is a schoolmaster of nearly of over thirty years' experience. I love having him 
in in tough uh, meetings with congregants because he's seen it all. Yeah. Nothing you can say to him will surprise him, and he knows when people are lying. Right. You know, he's got 30 years of teaching experience dealing with 16-year-old schoolboys that mean he is just a past master at seeing straight through the smokescreen, yeah. and, and that's incredibly useful. Yeah, yeah I, I, I serve on a session where I am – uh, one of the youngest members of the session. In fact, um, all, I think with the exception of just one, all of the ruling elders are older than me. Must be like the old Soviet Politburo. You can push them all around the garden in their bath chairs <laughs> yeah, on a Sunday it afternoon. <laughs> but it's, it's really great because for all those reasons you just said, when, when I'm talking with our ruling elders, I'm talking to men who are older than me, who've seen more than I've seen, who, who do things like keep a payroll and have to run businesses and, and, and juggle all of that and serve the church really faithfully. I, I, I think your, your, your mention right up front, Carl, about this being an incomprehensible text today, don't let anybody despise you for your youth. If Paul were writing today to an older guy, he'd, he'd have to warn them, don't let anybody despise you because you're older, mm. because mm. that's the tendency today. Because you're biblically qualified mm. right. to, to hold office. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, uh, I think we've once again put the world to rights. The church will no doubt be uh, a much better place as a result of having received our 25 minutes of wisdom there. Um, as I say, we do not wish to disrespect any young pastors out there. But what, we, what we're trying to address here is a, a cultural issue that I think has crept into the church Without us really knowing, um, those are always the most dangerous things. We, we know about internet pornography. We know about greed. We know about the things that are obvious. But there are other things in the culture that are damaging to biblical church polity and damaging to biblical witness uh, that we don't know are there. And they're often the most dangerous. And I think the cult of youth is one that has crept in and sadly been fostered by men who, good men who really should, should know better. Anyway, thank you for joining us for this Mortification of Spin. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, and we look forward to being with you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen that exists to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Head over to mortificationofspin.org to download the sermon, Ministry in the Church, by Eric Alexander. On the next episode, the hosts talk about disagreement and a recent trip to Yale. What was really interesting about uh, going to Yale Divinity School to, to participate in a, in a discussion dealing with the contemporary church is that we knew we were going to be going into territory where there was going to be some pretty significant disagreements between presenters and, and, and people present. All that and more next time. And don't forget to read more from Carl, Amy, and Todd on mortificationofspin.org. I'm not going to go to an event and rap. Right. <laughs> For which we are <laughs> grateful. <laughs> My name is Todd, and I'm here Rub to Master say. Rub T, Mike. <laughs>